Hi, my name is Caroline Durham, and I'm the minister to children here at Heights Baptist Church. Thanks for joining us online today. You can find our content on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and at our website, heightschurch.org connect. You can let us know that you joined us today um, and let us know how we can be praying for you. Thanks for joining us. Psalm 85, verse 6 says, O Lord, will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? Psalm 85 is a, a psalm of revival. It's a song of revival asking the Lord uh, to do something in his people so that they may worship him afresh and anew and to be revived. And so I want to invite you just right where you are this morning. Uh, let's bow our heads and, and just go to the Lord in prayer. Here in this room, those of you at home, we're going to ask you to participate in the same way with just head bowed, eyes closed. I want you to spend a few moments being still before the Lord. Right now, I want to invite you to pray. And to pray specifically in this way. Dear Lord, send revival in me today. Would you ask the Lord to do that? Dear Lord, just send revival to me today. Just ask Him in your own way, in your own words. Dear Lord, revive me today. Then I want you to pray, after you have done that, to the person that is on your right or you're on your left. Maybe you're sitting in the middle of two. You don't even have to know them to pray for them this way. Dear Lord, send revival to this person. Maybe you name that person right on your right or left if you know them. Dear Lord, send revival to them today. Dear Lord, I want to see them revived today. As you've prayed that, I want to invite you now to to pray for another church within our area. Maybe a, a church you passed, a church you know. And just ask that the Lord would revive them. So just pray, dear Lord, will you revive? And you put that church name right there in that prayer. Dear Lord, would you revive this church today? Would you pray for another local church in our area? For revival to come to them. Dear Lord, revive. And you put that church in there. Oh Lord, it is in a period of stillness that we often can hear from you. Where we find revival and rest. And that requires us to recognize our need for you. It requires us to lay down some burdens and things weighing us down. So Lord, I, I pray that the prayer of the psalmist, will you revive us again, O Lord, so that we may rejoice in you. And so Father, for every person that is in their home today, joining us online, for every person in this room, as we prayed at 9 a.m. and at 10.30 now in this service, we are praying that you revive us again, O Lord, so we may rejoice in you. We pray for our brothers and sisters and other churches around our area, that, O Lord, you would revive them so they may rejoice in you. 
And so, Father, we have come, and we're asking now for you to do what you do. And, Lord, we pray for that revival. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to welcome you this morning and ask you, if you have a copy of God's Word, uh, to turn to Matthew chapter 11. Uh, Whether you are going to be turning that on, on a device you might have, or a paper Bible in your hand, Matthew chapter 11 is, I'm going to meet you there in a few moments. Uh, If you are new with us this morning, I want to welcome you. If maybe first time back in a long time, welcome. Uh, Let me catch you up kind of where we've been over the last couple of weeks. And you might have been here the last couple of weeks, but sometimes you go, hey, what that guy talk about like two weeks ago? All right, so let's just kind of review. We've been in this series uh, called Dry, uh, Finding Faith in Times of Trouble. Uh, because what we've been saying is that there are times that we get dry spiritually as believers in Jesus Christ. Now, when you become dry, uh, that means that there's, there's times you don't feel connected to God anymore. Now, that doesn't mean God left you. God is still present, but you don't feel that tight relationship with him anymore. You're not seeing your prayers answered. Uh, You're just feeling dry spiritually. You're not energized for the Lord. Essentially, you're just going through the motions. That's what dryness is. And what we've said is that though in those dry periods of time is where your faith can be built. See, understand faith is not built on top of the mountain. Uh, Faith is built in the valley. When you hit those mountaintop experiences with the Lord, you find that revival. That's a time of celebration, but it is in the dryness, in the valley, in the moments of worry, anxiety, depression, hard times, questioning where your faith is found, it's developed, it's strengthened, it's built. And so in those dry periods, we can find revival because revival is something God wants to do. And we've used that term revival and kind of refreshment interchangeably. Uh, Because we're dry, God wants to refresh us. He wants to revive us. And so let's just kind of circle back to a couple of definitions of revival because I know if we say revival in church, uh, many of you have been church for many years, and, and if I say we're going to have a revival and we're praying for a revival, that's going to take you back to a big tent out in, the, out in the parking lot, right? Or it may take you back to a, a preacher in a white suit r- waving a handkerchief around, you know? Um, I have some pastor friends I like to, to kid around with when I see them post this on Facebook, and, and I can do that because I'm one of those friends, um, is they'll post like, all right, our church is going to have revival from October 2nd to October 6th at 6.30 p.m. And I'll message them, I'm like, hey, just saw your church post. So you guys schedule that? Like, you schedule the work of the Lord in your heart? I mean, like, because, see, understand, revival is something God does. It's his work in our lives. So revival or refreshment is a fresh work of the Holy Spirit in your life. It reawakens you to the presence of God. I like to use this uh, definition for revival as well. It's God sending the Holy Spirit in a fresh way to energize you for kingdom work. All right, so he's moving you out a period of dryness to refreshment to revival. Now, that's something God does, and we can celebrate that because he doesn't want us to stay dry, that he wants to refresh us. He wants to revive us. But understand, even though that's God's work, there's actions we need to take 
to set the atmosphere right for revival, okay, to, to kind of set the table for it. Now, I'm going to give you these four that you can write down, and understand this. This is just kind of basic Christianity 101. Uh, it's not complete the four steps and you automatically get revived, all right? So it's not, you know, you're forcing the hand of God. But what we see is all biblically, through all biblical revivals, historical revivals, you're going to see these four actions being taken by believers in Jesus Christ because you're setting that atmosphere right. You're setting the table, so to speak. So number one action you need to take is this, recognize your need for revival. In order to be refreshed, you got to know you're dry. you got to just say, Lord, I, I need it. I, I need revival. I need refreshment. You know, just be honest with them. Lord, this is, this is what I need. I need to recognize my need. You know, sometimes we're good about recognizing the need of revival in others more than ourselves. And we need to say, no, no, Lord, here's where I am. I need this right now today. I need you to send this to me. All right, so number one, recognize that need. Uh, number two, confess your sin. Repent of your sin. Confess your sin. All right, revival is not going to come with unconfessed, unrepentant sin that will block and kill refreshment in your life all day long because unconfessed, unrepentant sin, it damages that fellowship that you have with God. doesn't change the relationship. You're still one of God's kids, but it's hurting the fellowship with sin that you're not repenting of. So if you want refreshment, you want revival, you have to repent of your sin. Now, repent's a real easy term to understand. It, it means to do an about-face. It means to turn around. Uh, it means to change your mind, your heart, your actions, right? Um, some of you, you know, that like to watch football, you might see this happen. Fumble happens, you know, guy picks up the ball, he starts running down the field with the ball, he realizes, oh no, I'm going the wrong way, and he repents, and he starts going the right way, all right? He changed his mind, his heart, his action. Many of you repent going down Highway 6 because you're going over the speed limit, you see a sheriff coming your way, and you take the foot off the gas, and you put it on the brake, and you slow down. You repented. You changed your heart, your mind, your heart, your action, okay? Revival comes, revival happens when we recognize our need, we repent of our sin. Number three, we obey God, okay? We obey God. And again, this is just kind of Christianity 101 here. We're obeying what the Lord calls us to do. How's God calling you to love your neighbor right now you're not loving? Who's the person right now in your life you're unwilling to forgive of something they've done to you? You will not find spiritual refreshment and revival with unforgiveness in your heart. That's a clear disobedience of God's command. Forgive the person. And yes, what they did may have been hard and tragic and all that, but, but you've got to forgive them as you've been forgiven in Christ Jesus, your Lord. So obey God. Think about those things God's calling you to do. Very basic things he's, he's calling you. Are you obeying him? And number four, exercise your faith exercise your faith. Now, I know this part's going to sound kind of a little, little off, but when you are dry, that's the time you keep going. You don't stop. You keep reading your Bible. 
you keep praying, you keep serving, you keep giving, you keep showing up and attending, you continue to do the things God wants you to do even though you're dry. Because what you see in revival is things that God does and things we are supposed to do. We're not passive pawns on a chessboard just sitting and waiting for God to move us around. There's actions that we take to help set the atmosphere, set the table for revival. So we said in this need that we have when we're dry, week one we said there's some promises we need, and we looked at Psalm 139, and we said from there there's some promises that we always need to remember, that, that God knows everything about me, God is always with me, God's my wonderful creator, all right? And so in that period of dryness, you just recite those promises. This is who God is in my life. Last week, we looked at the community we need, all right? So then when we are dry and we're seeking revival, we need each other, kind of cheering each other on, all right? We said last week, Hebrews 10, 24, 25, we're to provoke each other, stir each other up to love and good works, all right? We need that when we're dry. We need that in revival, each other just kind of cheering each other on. Keep on going. This morning, we're going to look at the rest that we need. The rest we need. Picking up in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus at the end of the chapter in verse 28 says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is is light. This morning, I want you to notice this. In revival, you come to Jesus as you are. When you come to Jesus just as you are, you find rest and revival and restoration, refreshment. But notice in the text, there are going to be some actions you need to take, and then you're going to see some actions Jesus takes in our lives. First action is this, is to answer the invitation of Christ. Verse 28, he says, come to me. And I love that. Such a simple invitation that is so profound. Because, see, understand that invitation right there of Jesus saying, come to me, separates Christianity from all other religions. See, all other religions, those gods say, work your way to me, earn your way to me, achieve your way to me. But this is Jesus that says, just come, just come as you are to me. So this is not Buddha's spiritual path of enlightenment you take. This is not the five pillars of faith of Islam. This isn't 10 steps that you got to take to have a happy life. Jesus is saying, no, 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 just come, just come to me. And stop and think about that. This is the king of kings saying, come to me. This is the Lord of Lords saying, come to me. This is the Alpha and the Omega saying, come to me. This is the bread of life and the water of life saying, come to me. This is the one that John said in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And John chapter 1, 14 says, that Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's the one that says, come to me. Come to me. Maybe this morning, you need to just answer that invitation. You need to come to Christ. You need to come to Jesus today, just as you are. And notice what Jesus says in verse 28. He says, come to me, 
And here are the ones who need to come. All who labor and are heavy laden. So this is who he invites. All who labor and heavy laden. The word labor there is, is going to mean that you're tired from, from work. Right? You, it's a labor that you've been working at. And you're weary, you're tired. It says you're heavy laden. The term heavy laden there means you're overburdened. You're overloaded. Right? Kind of giving you a picture in your mind of a cargo ship that has too much cargo on it. It's, it's overloaded and it can't set sail from port. Right? That's what he's saying. You're, you're overloaded. You're burdened. You're weary. Come to me. If that's you, he's saying, come. Just come. You know, the immediate context of what Jesus is speaking to in the chapter is really the, the burden that the religious leaders have been putting on the people of that day. See, the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious leaders were really good at adding on to the Mosaic law. I mean, the law itself that God gave you in the first five books of the Bible, I mean, that, that's a lot of itself. But they would add more and more and more and more to it. So they would tell the people and they would preach a message that was essentially saying, you can't come to God, you can't have that relationship with God unless you're keeping all these things perfect. Unless you're doing all these things according to the law. You fall short in just one of these things and you can't come to the Lord. And what was happening was it was overburdening the people. It was weighing them down. It was making their souls weary and hurting. And here comes this Jesus that just says, no, no, you just come to me. That's my invitation to you. You come if you're weary, if you're burdened, if you're heavy laden, if your soul is tired, you come. Just come as you are. You know, for believers in Jesus Christ, for some of you, you have, you have been Christians long enough, you're going to to get this because for many of you, you may be struggling with this. See, the, the gospel message is the good news of Christ that he saves us based on his work, not our work. That is the work of Jesus on the cross and through the resurrection, his life that by faith we receive. And when by faith we trust in that, the Bible says our sins are forgiven, that we don't earn this love and earn this salvation from Jesus. Now, many of you uh, years ago said, yes, amen to that. All right, I believe that. I'm saved by the work of Jesus, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Amen. But what happens with a lot of Christians is they backload the gospel. And over time, you have now developed a, a system where you say, I've got to be good for God to love me. Just got to pray harder for God to love me. Got to read my Bible more for God to love me. Got to pray more for God to love me. Just got to try harder and try harder. And the more I try and the more I try and the more I try, God will love me. God will love me because he'll take notice of all the things I'm doing. And why we struggle with that with our Heavenly Father is because many of you still have a daddy complex this morning with your earthly father. Because many of you grew up with an earthly father that never affirmed you. That you were always after the affirmation of your earthly father. And so for some of you, you married someone just to get the approval of your earthly dad. 
For some of you, you are in a career right now because you thought this career path would make your earthly dad happy and approve of you. Some of you live in this area right now because your parents and your dad at some point said, don't ever move away from me. And you are still after that earthly approval of your father. You just want your dad to say, well done. You just want your dad to say, I love you and I approve of you. And because you've struggled with that in an earthly relationship, you have transferred that to God. And right now you are saying, God, just take notice. Lord, look at all I'm trying to do. And now that's weighing you down and burdening your soul because you're trying to just get God to notice you. And here's the good news of the gospel in the front side, the back side, the middle side. God loves you for who you are. Because in Christ Jesus, he is making you like his son. It's not about you earning that from him. He's giving that to you freely. So now when we come to Christ, we worship, we read our Bibles, we give, we serve. We're doing that out of obedience, not to get, but because we've been given. Because he says, I already love you in my son Christ. So this morning, maybe you need to lay that down. That's the burden you need to lay down. Trying to get the approval of your heavenly Father who already approves of you. Because here's what Jesus says. That's something we have to do. We come to him. But I want you to notice what he does when we come to him. Notice the action of refreshment and revival. He says at the end of verse 28, I will give you rest. Give you rest from all of that burden you're carrying. All that anxiety, that worry, that depression, those, those pressures, the, the, the desire to people please. I'll give you rest from all of that. Now, I don't know about um, you, but I, I like to write in my Bible. Um, so I'm one that like circles things and underlines verses. And sometimes I, I write, you know, beside a verse, see this verse, or I'll write a statement out. And, and uh, I, I just like to do that personally. And, and for some of you, that may not be your cup of tea, and that's okay. But if, that's one of, if you're one of those rights, you know, in your Bible, I want you to write this. Right beside, I will give you rest. It literally can be translated out this way. I will rest you. I love that. It's a way we can translate that. When he says, I will give you rest, Jesus is saying, I will rest you when you come to me. Now, where do we see a picture of that in Scripture, of a God that rests us? I want you to turn to Psalm 23. We'll be back in Matthew 11 in a moment. But in Psalm 23, it is David who is writing this psalm about a shepherd, a good shepherd, about God. And I want you to pick up in Psalm 23 with me in the first verse. And some of you, even if you're not familiar with church, you're probably familiar with this psalm. You've heard it at a funeral or a graveside service. But David says this about God in Psalm 23. And I want you to notice how he rests us. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. God's my shepherd, I don't want another one. Verse 2, notice the rest he gives us, how he rests us. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. 
He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You know, with sheep, they often wander. The shepherd has to say, no, no, no. Here's where you will eat. This is good. That's what God's saying. No, here's what I do. I put you in positions to be nourished. I, I make you lie down in beside still waters. I'm going to put you there in a time of peace. And then notice the revival, the refreshment of verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Notice that's how Jesus rests us because David in Psalm 23 is writing of the shepherd. And when Jesus comes on the scene, we read in the Gospels in John chapter 10 in a sermon one time, he's like, hey, 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 guys, you know, um, pay attention right here real quick. Uh, you know, and he probably tells the crowd what I have to tell the crowd every so often. If you hadn't looked at me in a while, look up right now, wake your neighbor up. Um, he's saying, I don't want you to miss this. You know that part where David long ago wrote about that shepherd in Psalm 23? Yeah, I'm that guy. I'm the good shepherd that he was writing about, that it was pointing to. And so Jesus rests you when you come to him. He restores your soul. He puts you in spots to be spiritually nourished. He takes away that anxiety and that worry and those doubts and those pressures and those pain. He's the one that is our good shepherd that gives us rest. But I want you to notice what we do in this, this action, we come to Christ. What he does, he gives us rest. But notice another action, verse 29, that you're to take. What you're to do. He says, take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He says, take my yoke upon me. But a yoke is a, a large wooden bar that you would put over an animal, a work animal, a mule, an ox, and you're yoking them to them. Right? And so now they're, they're able to work that way. What Jesus is saying, though, is this. That yoke that you have, I want you to give that to me because I'm going to give you my yoke. See, to take the yoke of Christ means you got a yoke exchange with him. You, you got to give him something in order to take something from him. You can't hang on to your yoke. You have to give him that depression, that worry, that anxiety, that situation that's bearing you down, that situation that's hurting you this morning. You have to give him that physical pain, that spiritual pain, that spiritual dryness. You have to give him that in order to get his yoke. Right? I don't understand animals well, but I understand this. I understand cars. When you buy a car, it is absolutely the worst investment you possibly can make. Because understand, when you drive a car off the lot, it automatically starts losing value. It constantly loses value. Now, you can take that car when you're ready to buy a new car, and you can get some money back from the old car, but you're never going to get all your money back. So you might buy a new and a better uh, a car and a better model, but guess what? You, at the end of the day, did not upgrade because it still cost you something. When you give Jesus your yoke and you take his yoke, it's an upgrade. It's an upgrade with no cost. It didn't cost you anything. 
You gave him all of those issues, all those worries, all those problems. He says, take my yoke. And I want you to notice the yoke that you're taking. The yoke that you're taking here in verse 30. He says, for my yoke, Jesus says, my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. That's the yoke you're taking. An easy yoke. A yoke that is light. My burden is light. Now, you just stop and think about that. That, that should have caused you some pause. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on, Jesus. You're saying your burden is light? I mean, that, that by definition is an oxymoron. Because a burden's not light. A burden's heavy. So how does Jesus say your burden is light? Here's what he's saying. Saying, as a believer in Jesus Christ, when you come and follow Christ, that doesn't mean all your problems are going to automatically go away. Doesn't mean things you struggle with are just going to automatically end and it's always going to be sunshine and rainbows and, you know, it, it's not little orphan Annie standing on stage with her little, you know, red curly hair saying, hey, chin up, the sun's going to come out tomorrow, right? No, it's still hard to follow Jesus. When I share the gospel with people personally and I get to the point where I'm inviting them to come to know Christ, I often tell them, listen, you come to know Jesus and your life may get harder because you follow Christ. It may get harder for a time. Somebody may be mad at you for doing this, may be upset for you doing this, could cost you a job for doing this. But here's what it means. All of those problems we have in following Christ, all that burden sometimes we carry, worries, all the things we go through, the promise is they don't crush us anymore. They're not the end of us anymore. They don't define us anymore. That all of those things we still struggle with as believers in Jesus Christ, they're not the end of us. We don't carry those into eternity anymore because of Christ. Amen? So he's saying right now, you take that yoke. You take my yoke. It's light. It's easy. Even when it doesn't feel easy, the Apostle Paul tells us that the, the, the momentary light afflictions that we have do not compare to the eternal weight of glory that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. You find refreshment. You find rest. You find revival when you come to Jesus, when you take his yoke. But I want you to notice the last action you need to take is to learn from me. Look what he says in verse 29. Take my yoke upon me, take my yoke upon you, and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. You'll find rest from your souls. The word learn from me there is pretty much the same Greek term that we get in Matthew chapter 28 when Jesus says, go make disciples. Jesus says, listen, learn from me. I am your school teacher. You are my student. You walk with me. You learn from me. I'll show you that way if you'll follow me, if you'll come to me. You know, I, I know around here we don't have a lot of uh, very large, steep hills, so you're going to need to just use your imagination with me and visualize this. But let's just say you're in the, the back of your, you're, you're driving your pickup truck and you see a, a very steep hill on the horizon. And there's a person at the bottom of the hill, and th this man is starting to try to walk up the hill, but he's really struggling, and he's laboring because he's carrying this large pack on his back. He's, he's carrying something that's weighing him down. 
And being the good Texan that you are, you pull over and you say, hey, buddy, look, I'm about to go that way too. Why don't you hop in the back of my cab and I'll take you up the hill. So the person hops in the back of the truck and you start driving up this steep hill. But, but then you notice something weird. You look in your rearview mirror and the guy's sitting in the back of the truck, but he's still holding on to the, to the bag. He's still holding on to that which is weighing him down. And so you think, well, man, that's weird. So you pull the truck over and you're like, hey, uh, here, you know, just put the bag down, right? Just put, the, put that down because the truck that is carrying you up the hill is the same truck that can carry the burden up the hill. And this morning, that's what you need to do. You need to come to Christ. You need to take his yoke. That means you give him your yoke. And you give him those problems. And you give him what's weighing you down. And you give him all the anxiety that you've got this morning. All the weariness you have. And you follow Jesus. And what you're going to find is rest for your souls. You're going to find refreshment and revival in him. We live in a world that is filled with bad news. But there's good news in the Bible. The good news in the Bible is that Christ Jesus came into this world, died on the cross for my sin, your sin. When they put him in a tomb, three days later, he came back to life. Just as he said over and over in the New Testament that he would rise again. And when Jesus came out of the grave, he was able to beat death, to beat sin, to beat Satan, and to beat hell on your behalf and my behalf. But the Bible calls us to do something with that news, not just to hear it, not even just to say it's good, but to embrace it, to believe in it. And when you place your faith and your trust in Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, then the Bible says you are saved. You are saved from the penalty of your sin, which is hell. You are saved from the power of sin in your life. And one day when you die, God will take you to heaven and you will be saved from the presence of sin for all of eternity. You know, our mission here at Heights is to get that good news out. We say that we want to love people and lead them to a new life with Christ. And I want to give you an opportunity right now to place your faith, your trust in Jesus to have your sins forgiven for everything you have done that you will do in your life, Jesus can forgive you. And so the way that we communicate with God is through prayer. And just right where you are, if you're ready today to start a relationship with Christ, you can pray along with me. And let's pray together. Dear God, I know I need Jesus, and I'm ready to place my faith and trust in Him. Thank you, Lord, for saving me through the work of Jesus. Amen. You know, friend, if you've prayed that prayer today, we'd love to connect with you. You know, the Bible says the next step of faith is baptism. And baptism does not save you. That's what Jesus does. But baptism shows that you're a believer. It declares you're a believer. You know, I have a wedding ring on, on my hand here, and, and that wedding ring doesn't you know, make me married, it shows I'm married. And that's what baptism is about in the life of the believer in Jesus Christ, to proclaim that you now believe in Jesus in your life. And so we'd love to know if you've prayed along with us to start a relationship with Christ, if you need to be baptized as a believer, or if you have prayer requests. And what you can do is go to heightschurch.org connect. heightschurch.org connect. 
We'd love to be able to connect with you there. I want to thank you so much for watching today's message. We'd love to see you in person if you're able to make it here on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. or watch us online at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at our Heights YouTube page or our Heights Facebook page. So again, until next time, I hope you have a great week and God bless.